Hey, it's Nicholas Hamilton, aka Henry Bowers from IT, and you're listening to Fourth Cut Reviews. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Fourth Cut Reviews. I'm your host, EJ Leeson. And with me today is the one and only, the okay, some people say the so-so, Chris Conforti. How's it going, buddy? I am doing well. How about you, sir? You know, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing doing pretty awesome, you know? Um, Yeah. I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Me too. I am excited to talk about this episode with my friend, EJ, who I have always and shall always remain your friend. Oh, dude. I love you. Thank you. I, <laughs> you couldn't have said that line any better. Thank you, sir. Um, also with us is the objectively better Chris. Chris R, how you doing, buddy? Um, and I will not always remain a friend. <laughs> not. Uh, I'm I'm doing well, and if I have to be uh, the bad guy on this podcast, I will. Uh, I mean, hell, last episode I did insult a very well, very well acclaimed director. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Robert Weiss is looking down on you, going that little bastard. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying the man's a bad director. I'm just saying it wasn't the best intro for a person to Star Trek. Oh man! Oh, man. Maybe it's a writing fault. That that's just possible as well. I mean, yeah, I no, I Chris. To your defense, Chris R. I think it was more style um, that they were going for in the last one, mm-hmm. and not so much story. You know? Yep. I think it's a writing fault. I think it's the writer's fault. I, I wouldn't really Personally. blame that on the writer. <laughs> well, I would. No, I, I think I think the the writing of it is wasn't the best. I, I'm waiting to see who the writer is. Hang on, let me see. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for it to be <laughs> like this critique. twelve Oscar winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's my turn to fuck with an Oscar winner. <laughs> oh man, a well-known Oscar guy. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I thought it was it was more of a like a writing fault than anything else. I can see, yeah, personally. Oh, okay, but we're not talking about the first one today. Today we're talking about the fan favorite, the probably most popular Star Trek film. Yes, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Guys, what did you think about this movie? Oh boy, I, honestly, this one, if this was the first one, I think this would have been the perfect movie um, to start their uh, movie franchise with. Uh, 
the reason why I say that is this is more character driven. You really get to know the characters. Um, even if you don't actually know them, they give you insight into their background, what they're thinking. You can connect with them more. You understand even where Khan is coming from, why he's upset. It's just a very well-rounded movie in like sci-fi. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best movie ever, but it definitely is super enjoyable. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Great acting performances in it, too. Ricardo Montalban crushes it in this movie. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Like, just, just, oh, my God. He was so good. The, the first interaction we get to see is with him and Chekhov, right? Chekhov. And Chekhov, I, okay, so here's a little weird thing. The Space Seed, episode 22 of season one, right? Now, Chekhov wasn't in season one, but they kind of make it where Chekhov was there and remembered everything about Khan. Now, maybe it was like through stories he heard on the ship, whatever. No, because Khan remembers him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Even like, so they kind of, it's like a little bit of an error that is fine because maybe like Chekhov at that point was on the ship, but just wasn't, you know, on the main deck. Well, right. Honestly, just to touch on that, that point, I mean, that right there. It was a spot where they really separated themselves from what the first movie did. The first movie relied yeah. on your knowledge of everything that happened in the past. This one, they kind of spoon-fed it. When Chekhov finds the belt buckle or whatever it was that had the Botany Bay thing on there. Um, yeah. Yep. That's now, I have seen those episodes, so I did know. But if you didn't know, you'd still get it based off of Chekhov's reaction. Yeah, so so that's what I I feel like a lot of movies today get criticized for their um, over usage of exposition, but I feel like it really worked in this one because you needed that exposition if you hadn't seen the show. Also, yeah, no, but it kind of works too because he's literally filling in in on what happened to him and his people the last fifteen years since mm-hmm. the Bad Seed episode. You know what I mean? Uh, or or Spacey. I'm sorry. Um, But, like, it works really, really well. Um, Just like everything in this movie, the writing in this movie is way better than probably the writing in the first movie. (laughs) The first one. Yeah. Um, uh, And just everything about this one works on such a higher level than the first one. You know what I mean? So... Now, don't get me wrong, the first one's a good movie, but this has everything that you're kind of looking for as a moviegoer. And I really, really, really enjoyed this one a lot. Now, yeah, like, so a really cool thing that they do about this movie is we get to dive into Kirk a little bit more, as well as, you know, some of the other characters uh, from the original series. And one thing I like is Kirk is kind of struggling with his position here on Earth running simulations of the Kobayashi Maru, (laughs) which uh, is the best. I freaking love it. 
And we get to see Kirstie Alley as a new cadet that is um, under the captain of Spock. Now, Spock is a captain, and he's getting his crew all ready to go. What do you guys think of Kirstie Alley? Chris, I'm going to say something there, and people are either going to kill me or they're going to agree with me. Politics and personality aside, Kirstie Alley is a great actress. She's just a, a really good actress, and she's great in this. Yeah, I think she is a good actress. Um, don't get me wrong. I just she doesn't really do movies much. I I was going through her IMDb because for honestly, as big of and as popular as a star as she is, she really only plays like small character roles in TV shows that like show up for a couple episodes and then are gone, which is weird. So. If, if you guys would like to take a look at a, the probably the best Kirstie Alley performance, it is actually a television show, a miniseries called North and South, which follows along with the American Civil War. It stars Patrick Swayze, and there's there's like some great actors in it. I mean, you're talking about Jimmy Stewart's in it, Olivia de Havilland's in it. But that is probably Kirstie Alley's best role. You absolutely have to watch it. Interesting. She plays a ra- yeah. She plays a radical abolitionist, and she is just fantastic. Yeah, I I'll have to check. Now I I do know as far as okay, and maybe I'll I'll get some slack for this, but I I thought she was actually pretty interesting too. I thought she did a really good job, and as far as like a new new cast member, I I actually I thought she meshed really well with everyone. And I do like the relationship she kind of has with Spock in this movie. It's almost like an unspoken daughter to him. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really, it's a really cool, cool role. So just, if I'm not mistaken, she is supposed to be, um, oh wow. Now I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) Yes. She's supposed to be a Vulcan. Vulcan. Um, Correct. Yeah, and again, like that in and of itself was smart writing because she now has that connection to Spock. And honestly, from what I've seen, the young her acts like Spock did in the original series. The only thing that she she has, but she hasn't. So she hasn't served under Kirk. So that's her main problem right now. Some that Spock's learned. And, and they kind of go over it here, right? Like, this is the point of the Kobayashi Maru. It's an unwinnable situation. It's a game. It's a simulation where you can't possibly win. And the point of it is to not be able to cheat death. But Spock has learned over his time serving with Kirk that that might not necessarily be true, right? Like, there is always a way to... There, there's, there is a winnable situation in every scenario uh, right and she hasn't learned that yet where spock has had the the luxury of learning that so a lot of times he's like well admiral kirk is very well aware of these regulations I, honestly i do like i i mean they lean on that pretty heavy in this to the point where kirk actually says um i think it was i i don't believe in no one situations <laughs> or some something right. along those lines exactly um so- they're going over they're going over that Kobayashi yep. Maru, which is that simulation, which of course you'll see in the remakes of the going on in the future. They play a little bit more closer attention to that. 
Yeah. Right. Like the new Kirk uh, kind of um, cheats to win. <laughs> well, they actually reference Kirk, this Pretty Kirk yeah. cheating to win, too. I mean, they just don't show it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you gotta like cut corners. But to be uh-huh. fair, I mean, if you are a space captain and your crew is on the line, is cheating to win really all that bad? <laughs> yeah. No. Um. No. I mean, and, and that's the thing too. Well, oh on. no, no. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, you know, like Spock has seen himself in a bunch of no-win situations throughout this entire series. And somehow Kirk finds a way to get them out where maybe logic doesn't dictate that they would get out. If that makes sense, I guess. Because a lot of times in these episodes, Kirk's like, well, logic or Spock's like, well, logic doesn't dictate this and this and this. And Kirk just goes with this humanistic instinct and a lot of times gets out of it. Right. And like, you know, talking about the Kobayashi Maru, at one point, even Spock says, I never took the Kobayashi Maru test until now. And um, and that's when he was about to, spoiler alert, do something <laughs> um, of a major sacrifice. So that's one of the saddest scenes. Right. Oh, yeah. Of the movie. Sad scene. But it, it shows you that it was an unwinnable solution unless someone, you know, risks. And, and it goes into the whole thing of, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or as Spock says, you know, the one. Yeah. And so it, it just shows you that not only is this test in the beginning of the movie uh, important for cadets to learn, but it's also something even the professionals like the, the veterans are put in that situation too. And like Spock acknowledging that you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is my Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Which is, it's just crazy. So, I, I, okay, I'm going to be like a big time homer <laughs> on this one. It is very hard for me to watch that last scene between Spock and Kirk and not like get a little bit emotional. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't believe that you don't. Maybe Chris R doesn't, but I do not believe for one single solitary second no, that you don't. No, of course I do. You're more emotional than I. I, I literally cry things. every movie I watch. Um, <laughs> Marley watch. was a situation I, that one day I'll I'll tell that story. On here. The, they had to call the ambulance for EJ because he was like, yeah. Like, he was crying so much, they thought that the Cinemark was turning into <laughs> oh, Niagara right. Falls. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Uh, sort of. But no, it's a, it's a, it's a very touching scene. It like, it's a, it's a very sad scene. And every time I watch it, I do show a little bit of emotion. I'm not going to lie. I, I'll wear it as a badge of courage. It's a sad scene. You don't want to see how it happened to somebody as is, is, is cool as Spock and you know that friendship that they have and have gained over these years and it's just a sad mm-hmm. scene yeah I, it's I- iconic I mean who doesn't know that famous line yes I have always and shall always yes, be your friend that, but then you also have the whole um, Kirk losing it and screaming into the air you know like ah! 
And so, I mean that that <laughs> line, yeah, I mean, that exactly. Right. That line has permeated like pop culture to the point where it's on TV shows. Yeah. If you know Star Trek, that's going to be the one line you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that and live yep. long and prosper are like. Yeah, that was gonna say live long and prosper. Um, definitely, for sure. Ones, but like, cons probably right. number two. But um, yeah, no, this movie was fantastic. I also love that you get a little bit of a a Kirk, a uh, former love of Kirk, in here, and yeah, their child, too, David. Um, so you have Doctor Marcus, which is so cool, um, because she is a great character. And then she's working on a project, Genesis, with um, her son, David. And David knows of Kirk, obviously, right? Um, But you could tell the relationship's a little strained. Like, he's not too big a fan. (laughs) But I do like that they kind of pull that into this movie. Because, again, it's, it's character. You know, getting to know these old characters that you haven't seen in years... Of course, the, they would have families. You know what I mean? So it was, it was really, really cool. I love that aspect. But, man, uh, seriously, the person that steals this movie, the MVP of this movie, is hands down Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would. I definitely yeah. agree with that. Um, <laughs> he, he's fantastic in it. And, and so he's fantastic in it, but you know what the other thing I, I thought was actually fantastic is you actually kind of, you know, he takes a lot of shit, William Shatner, but there's a couple times in this movie where I think he kind of puts to bed the notion that he's a bad actor, right? Like you get the con part, you get a few different parts throughout this entire film where he actually shows you like he's actually a pretty good yeah. actor. Oh yeah. No, he really, um, he does a fantastic job in this movie. I, I, with the death of, you know, spoiler alert, when Spock is in that situation, um, you really see the best acting from William Shatner coming out there, and and obviously yeah. Leonard Nimoy too. And here's here's the other like wonderful part too. So they're in this like near death situation, right where. Spock has to pretty much sacrifice himself, spoiler alert, but pretty much has to sacrifice himself so the Enterprise can live. Like, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And who was his biggest person standing in his way telling him that he couldn't do it? Which I I thought that this was interesting, too, because throughout this whole series, the two people that don't get along the best, of course, are Spock and McCoy. But McCoy is very adamant. I'm not letting you do this. Yes. Yeah. Right? That was just that's just brilliant acting between those two. Brilliant writing, too. Because, like, the person that's standing in Spock's way is McCoy. And McCoy's like, I am not going to let your, your stupid Vulcan go in here, right? <laughs> and and Spock just, Spock just so intelligently goes, well, Doctor, as you so frequently remind me, I'm only half human. And it's just like this really cool battle, but like like McCoy's just like I'm not letting you go in there. And then of course, you know, Spock gives him the Verka, the Vulcan nerf pinch, and that's right. about the end of it. Yeah, I I mean, DeForest Kelly is just 
the unspoken incredible um, heart, you know, of the Star Trek series. I feel like hmm? he he's it's he's the counterbalance to Spock's non-emotional um, character, you know, and so yep. <laughs> you have the over-emotional DeForest Kelly as Bones McCoy, and like Bones, yeah, like. It's my easily my favorite. Like he always has my favorite lines of each movie. Like when he when he's mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie, he's going to meet up with Kirk, and he's like, "God, Jim, you're you're the only one that treats your birthday like a funeral," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's so true. I like I he just oh, McCoy's McCoy's the best, the best, the best. Like like we talk about the last like episode that we did right like if you combine bones mccoy and you combine kirk and you combine spock they create the perfect yeah. human being and it's just true it really is it's, it's a perfect human being right yes and that's why the show works yes. yeah. it, and it, it's so like the three different personalities kind of make up that one um thing that is needed for the enterprise you know what i mean so watch the original series and you watch these movies their greatest villain is in this episode it is Khan Khan is their biggest antagonist throughout this entire series throughout the entire movies he is by far and away their biggest antagonist I, oh, I mean I would say he's the that. most recognizable again speaking as somebody that hasn't really watched the show I mean like the main antagonists that I know from Star Trek are like Khan, Klingons, and the Borg. And hell, the Borg don't show up yep. until Next Generation, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're Next Generation. Yeah, yeah. Klingon. The Klingons are definitely so. I mean, if you're pop culture, you've probably heard of the Klingons. You probably have heard of Khan. Khan is by far and away their biggest nemesis. Because he's he's usually a step ahead of them yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah. Like even in the original series, like he's always a step ahead of them, and it kind of goes over that a little bit in yeah. this movie too. Yeah. But and it's and, and it's it's we need to do, to talk about, um, you know, we talked about before Ricardo Montalban because he actually plays Khan in the original series too, so it's not a new actor that plays him in right. this one. Yeah, and Ricardo, so he comes back. And we find out in the TV show, he's left on a planet that is supposed to be habitable, right? Like, you, like people can live there. And um, after six months, it gets knocked off course and, and, and becomes like a wasteland, basically. And killing most of his people and, and his wife, who would have been like the one from the TV show who was on the Enterprise as a crew member that kind of, like, fell for Khan and kind of helped him out, like, helped sabotage uh, the Enterprise originally. And so I thought that was cool that, like, it's a little tiny throwback to the episode, but also you get to, like, that exposition is really filling in the audience on, like, what has he been up to these Mm -hmm. last 15 years? And... Um, him being this superhuman genetic monster, right, was able to live pe- like on this planet, even though it was unlivable, you know. And so, 
and the reason why Chekhov goes there, he thinks it's uh, what's the planet name? Sintas Six, right? He thinks it's Sintas Six, but in reality, it was Sintas Five. But it was just like a wasteland, you know. And so it, it's it's so. Uh, this movie is incredible, and all the the actors in it are outstanding. Um, but with with that being said, what do you guys rate this movie? I I'll go first on this one. Um, honestly, I give this one a seven. Like this was an enjoyable movie all the way through. You wow. didn't need like you could just throw this on for anybody, and they're gonna understand the stakes. They're gonna understand like everything they're going to have the emotions that it's not going to need to have a backstory or someone giving you a whole history lesson on the characters. Um, it really is like, it's a good standalone movie without any of the other stuff, which I think that's the highest uh, rating close. that you've given on the show so far. If, if it isn't the highest, it is, yeah. it is very close. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Um, and it's weird because it's not even my favorite Star Trek film, um, which is... I know. Um, Me neither. Which is probably bizarre, but I, I totally love this movie. And I give it like an 8.2. 8.2? Wow. So I am uh, definitely going to be a little bit higher on this year. I'm going to show my Homer <laughs> ability here. I'm giving this... Wow. I'm giving this an 8.9. Oh. Nice, man. That's awesome. I think it's that good of a movie. I just do. I I think the acting is right there. They don't show too many continuous shots of the Enterprise. As Chris R said, I think it's a great standalone movie. The the villain is there, right? Like that's that's the thing I feel like the first one's missing, right? It's not missing a it's missing a big villain. Right. It it like yeah, you know what I mean? Like this is a villain that you know. It has a reason why it hates the Enterprise. It has a reason that it hates Kirk. We know this from the original se- series. If you didn't know it from the original series, you know it from this movie. And in this movie, he's still a pretty big freaking villain. He's great. Well, and that's, even that, just that, like yeah, the big I'm thing between the first two. Like the first one, they kind of chose to go the route that Star Trek often goes. And they chose the diplomacy wins battles battles route with the the first one this one they actually gave you conflict like physical like visual conflict and i think that's why this works and is a lot easier for people to understand and get into so here's the thing with star trek which is why I, i love it star trek should teach you that every living thing deserves a chance to live until it doesn't, right? Like until there's no ulterior, or until there's no alternative, right. right? Everything deserves a chance. So Khan, as big of a dick as he is in the original series, they still give him the right. opportunity to live, right? They send him to this planet. So that's like the one thing I love about Star Trek. It's like, you know what? We're still going to, like they have a rock creature in the original series that pretty much kills like, so many people and they still allow it to live right they allow all of these organisms and all of these different um living entities the ability to live just because they don't understand it right Uh, until there's no other alternative 
then they kill it. And this is where you get in this movie, right? Like they gave him that alternative and he hates them for it. Hates them with a passion. He's been plan like, well, he hasn't been planning this, but once he saw his opportunity, he took it, right? Like that was it. And obviously they couldn't save him. And spoiler alert, a little bit, but that was, you know, they couldn't let him live. Like that was it. It was, it was him or the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Right. With this new bio weapon, I guess you could call it a bio weapon, which pretty much is Genesis. Like it's creates a, it's a terraforming living, tool. Like this living that happens to be a terrifying weapon as well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No. But he's about to launch at them. By the way. Yeah. No. It, it's it's so true. Like Chris, like you were saying. Um, uh, the reference to the devil in the dark episode, right? Where this creature in, in this mine is going around and the Horda, it's like this molten rock creature that's basically killing miners and crew. But once they figure out why, they're like, we're in its territory and, and it's, and I think it was pregnant, right? And it had like eggs that it was trying to protect. And so, yeah. um, so it makes sense, right? It felt threatened, and, and that's why it was retaliating. And so once they figure that out, they're like, oh, okay. We're not going to, you know, kill this thing. It's just trying to survive. And we were in its territory, basically. <laughs> and so and, and they not- always try to find the most positive alternative that they can without killing. You know what I mean? And so that's what I always loved about Star Trek is always trying to figure stuff out before resorting to death or, or killing. Death, and so yeah. I do love that about Khan, how the Wrath of Khan, like they gave him this alternative and it didn't work out, obviously, right? Like, and of course mm-hmm. he's seeking revenge. So you literally understand his point of view. Um, but does he take it too far? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, definitely. Right. He definitely and takes so it too far. It, it, it makes sense. It, obviously, we're, we're rooting for Starfleet in the Enterprise, but we also understand that his journey wasn't the easiest either. Con. And so I love that aspect. It, I think it's very important to give your antagonist um, the right fuel to to understand where they're coming from too. Well, just you know to make I mean? your point there, EJ, like when I was watching this movie and Khan is talking about how he was left on this planet and yes, it was habitable, but the planet next to them blew up and knocked the planet off course and like he wasn't really mad that he was left there. He was mad that Kirk didn't continue to check and make sure that the planet was okay and didn't leave him to die. <laughs> yeah. And yes, you really yeah, can't exactly. blame him. <laughs> right. Like, like yeah. where he's coming from is like a place of logic. Like, you're, you totally understand. Like, in that situation with his people, he was left to die. Like, no one checked on him. No one came back. And so what he set forth to do from that point on, when given the opportunity was seek revenge on Kirk. And it, it made sense. You know what I mean? 
So I I agree. You know, okay. I I almost wish that Khan had brought this up to Kirk instead of going through like Chekhov. And maybe because mm. maybe Kirk would have found some humility there. Okay, well, yeah, well, maybe that was my fault, right? I didn't do that. That's that's my issue. And you know, maybe you can like because like we've seen like so many episodes, right, in these this original series. Maybe that would have like rang a bell with Kirk. Like, okay, maybe I'm not following up as much as I should have with some of these other things that have been going on, right? Like, I've taken it for granted. And now I have something where I've done this and it hasn't worked out to my best expectation. Right. So I I agree with you both. I mean, I I mean from Khan's perspective, granted, he's cross. I think lead, that's why this know? one really is just from the two that we've watched, the better better movie, because not only is it a good standalone movie, but it does bring up those questions. It does bring up stuff from the previous series and make you think about it. So if you're a fan, you can right. enjoy it on a completely different level than somebody that's watching it for the first time. Absolutely. I, and I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, okay. So with that, obviously we're fans of this movie. We're pretty much all on board. Uh, Chris R, do you have anything? That um, you yeah. If you guys watch? would be. Brian Christie was the superior. Um, no, I would oh, like sorry. to was just take some time oh, and sorry. ask you guys to please go out, um, listen to my friend uh, Breaking the Relapse. He has a whole bunch of metal music that he produces and puts a ton of effort into his videos. Follow him on Instagram, um, YouTube, all of it. Check it out. Also, I have another good friend um, that does a video game podcast uh, called Till Death Do We Play that is really interesting and you guys should check out. Awesome. Heck yeah. And then Chris, how about yourself, buddy? Well, we are, of course, on Instagram at Fourth Cut Reviews. Uh, EJ is manning our Twitter at Fourth Cut. I, I think it's Fourth Just Cut at, Reviews, at right? Fourth Cut. Fourth and I man the MySpace page. Oh. Okay, so we have that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Chris R is all over the MySpace yeah. page. I mean, you still have MySpace. I'm Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I'm Instagram, I'm Facebook, EJ's Twitter. Look, man, this MySpace is, is making a comeback. This is superior, Chris. He's waiting. Tom is ready. I hope. We can, we can only hope. I, I got a picture of Tom by the whiteboard the other we, day, and I was like, Tom's still at it. I miss Tom. Yeah. Tom was our best friend. No, but... Well, you can also, um, you can also go to accessnepa.com and there is a poll on there and we were nominated for best podcast in our local area. So I don't know if we're going to win. There's a lot of cool competition, but if you want to go to accessnepa.com and uh, I think you can go to the competitions and it's the best of NEPA. You go to Superstars, and there's going to be a category for best podcast. If you want to, and got some time, go on there, give us a give us a vote, and you know we, we yeah, definitely appreciate of course. it. Yes, and guys, we appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, thanks for tuning in every week, and we're super pumped to do all these Star Trek films. And we couldn't do it without you guys, and we hope you enjoy. If you aren't Star Trek fans. We hope you kind of get into it and then maybe enjoy them or not. You could let us know, but we hope you do. 
And then for Star Trek fans coming in that are pumped about us doing this, uh, let us know what you thought about the movies, too, by emailing us or hitting us up on Instagram, Twitter, whatever you guys want to do. Um, with that, I just want to plug uh, my friend's music at Adam Farley Music. It's on in- He's on Instagram. You can follow him there. But also, you can check out his music on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to music. And uh, yeah, with that being said, Chris R., uh, anytime, thanks so much guys. for coming on again. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. It's so, it's so cool hanging out with you. And <laughs> it's be, it's because one, I'm the objectively know? better and Chris. So, <laughs> the objectively better Chris, yes. I, I, I assume that you're talking I, about Dan Gianlian, like the other Chris R., right? Sorry. I... I guess that's the dichotomy of being Dan objectively Dan better. Like the actual <laughs> that's that's what it. Yeah, yeah. I totally. I'm picking it up. Yeah. No, but I, guys, thank you so much for listening. And Chris, do you want to take us out? <laughs> do I have to? Every time I do this, we get our ass kicked by Sean Kane. And... No. no, he he said he's on board this time. It's- is he? Is, he's not gonna be like standing behind us, waiting to beat the um, shit out of us, is he? Well, I <laughs> like think every... it's up to you. Like you do it, and we'll see what happens. Uh, all right, I'm Chrissy, the better Chris. Sorry, that was Chris R. Our guest. I'm Sean Cannon from the Karate Kid Three. Yeah, that's right, the third one, the one no one liked. God, I couldn't take any more of these idiots talking, so I beat the crap out of them. Thank you, and good night.